The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas, and uh, this was a, a very special episode for me. Uh, we broadcast this interview live with British wrestling legend Dean Allmark. Uh, we spoke for about an hour, just over an hour, as a matter of fact, uh, talking about his uh, early days growing up as a, as a huge wrestling fan, uh, training at the age of uh, 16, joining All Star Wrestling and the uh, Holiday Camp Circuit. Um, and he's kind of wrestled for all-star wrestling for um, the better part of his 20-year career in the business. His time with PCW, uh, winning the, the PCW Cruiserweight Championship and all the fantastic uh, opponents that he faced there. Uh, going up against Jushin Thunder Liger and Ultimo Dragon and so many fantastic international and UK stars. Uh, We talk about his time as a coach and a trainer from 2006 and some of the awesome people that he's brought up through the system. Uh, We do join the interview a minute or so in because unfortunately the live feed didn't kick in straight away. But it's a really, really good interview uh, and a fun interview with Dean Allmark. I hope you enjoy it and plenty more to come from uh, Wrestling With Jonas. But uh, I hope you enjoy my interview with uh, British wrestling legend Dean Allmark. And obviously, before that match, we got told we weren't allowed to like high five the fans or anything like that. I'm not sure if we were told or whether it was kind of discussed that maybe we shouldn't do it. So it was just like elbows on the way to the ring for the fans. Um, but yeah, and never in a million years would I have thought that um, that would be my, my my last match for like a year. Um, it's actually insane when you think about it, to be honest, because I've been wrestling since I was 16 on like a full time basis. So uh, with wrestling just going away, it just feels like I feel like almost like I've retired. I'm just like I'm not ready to retire yet, you know. No, no. And, and uh, how has the enforced break in wrestling been for you? Because 2020 was set to be your big 20 year anniversary, wasn't it, in the wrestling business? And of course, you know you're, you're heavily associated with All Star Wrestling, and it's been it was meant to have been their 50th anniversary as well. Um, and it was cruelly taken away from you. But uh, um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, and bookings-wise, 2020 was shaping up to be like a a big year. I had so many debuts coming up, and yeah, it just, like you said, it just got taken away from us. And it was just, in my mind, I was just like, okay, like, I feel like everything's like, after 20 years, everything's finally coming together, like, physically and mentally it's kind of i always see wrestlers as like they go from like being young and fit and healthy no injuries but they haven't got the mind for it and then as they get older like they get the mind for it but the body is no longer there and i just felt like i was just at the right point in my career just to just to make everything happen the way i wanted to so yeah it's a it's a shame for for myself and of course all-star like 50 years of wrestling is there's some achievement for them too. So yeah, it's disappointing, but I just, I just feel more hungry than anything else. And um, like you said, it's like an enforced break. And maybe after like doing like 250 matches every year for, for 20 years, maybe it's 
it's the break that I kind of needed. Yeah, and, and do you think that that's done probably not just your mind, but your, your body some good, kind of having a bit of a, a rest from the action and healing up properly for the first time in 20 years? Yeah, and I, I feel like mentally as well, like mentally I've always been looking forward to like the weekend or my next booking and, and not really living in the moment, whereas like now everything's like been stripped away and slowed down. I've kind of looked at everything and be like, oh, like I'm actually living in the moment now. I found like meditation. I've become a vegetarian. So um, a lot's changed and I feel... I feel a lot more mentally and like spiritually enlightened in a way. So it's uh yeah, it's something that maybe I just needed. I just needed to like just stop and be like, oh, like, oh, look at all these trees, look at the sun, you know, <laughs> things that you just take for granted normally. Um yeah, I, I, I feel like everything in this life happens for a reason and and maybe this is why this has happened. Yeah. And having the opportunity to spend more time at home with your your you know your family your loved ones i suppose instead of i don't know being on the road i suppose most weekends for the last 20 years you've been kind of wrestling yeah and um obviously the football was still going on my son plays football he plays hockey and i didn't miss a match you know i was there every single time so there's definitely been advantages to this but uh yeah it's uh, life isn't the same without wrestling yeah. And are, are the plans that uh, when things get back to normal, you might be able to do what you had planned originally for your, for your 20th anniversary um, all over again? You still kind of got got that in mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm still kind of in touch with the companies that were that were interested in me then. So uh, and I've actually had some more interest um, just recently um, that there's a new company called Claw. It, on Merseyside they're, they're starting up and uh, I'm, I'm going to become like a, almost a full-time coach at their wrestling school um, they're obviously involved with um, with TNT and uh, yeah that school sounds like it's going to be totally amazing um, so so that's that's one thing I'm focusing on now as I'm getting towards like what I call like the back nine of my career uh, I need to kind of transition into more of a coaching role I feel um so claw is is a place that can offer me um almost like a full-time coaching job which i really appreciate so i'm really excited about that and uh other companies that i've never worked for before they've been in touch too so fingers that's crossed really we can awesome. get this going again real soon uh, that's really awesome yeah, like I say, uh, if, well, I'm sure it's more a case of when uh, the UK wrestling scene gets back on its feet again, and it will. I think people are really hungry for uh, wrestling and to uh, go and see wrestling matches, and, and wrestlers likewise are uh, chomping at the bit to get back in the ring. But uh, let, let's skip all the way back if we can then, Dean. Um, wh when did you first become a pro wrestling fan? Uh, what, is, what are some of your earliest memories of, of watching wrestling growing up then? So uh, my earliest memory is... Um... I was sat watching WWF with my granddad, and uh, and I vaguely remember the match was. Um, I vividly remember this. It was Hakeem against Sabah Simba, and that was the first wrestling match that I I can remember at that time. So um, yeah, my granddad got me into it. He used to sit me down. We watched, we used to watch like WCW and WWF together. Um, yeah, he was the one. And then from the age of like six years old, like five six years old. I just never, never looked back. Uh, my mum and dad used to take me to places and they knew that if they 
took a wrestling ring with some wrestling action figures, then I'd be I'd be good, good as gold. So, uh, so yeah. Ever since then, I've been one hundred percent into it. I've never lost interest like some people do. I just, um, yeah, just straight through. Yeah, and and I know that uh, when I was growing up, or certainly when I was a, a teenager, getting more and more into wrestling. Um, obviously, well, back in the nineties, we didn't have the internet, uh, we didn't have streaming platforms like Powered Four TV, um, but there was such a thing as as tape trading, um, and you would try and get your your fix of um, wrestling from around the world uh, via tape trading. Usually, I would get my fix of ECW and New Japan, All Japan, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and pretty much any wrestling that I could get my hands on um, as an alternative to WWF back in the day, back in the nineties. But uh, I believe you also got your your fix of pro wrestling from around the world um, in a similar sort of way, Dean? Yeah, so when I was about 14, 15, uh, me and my best friend at the time, Robbie Dynamite, uh, used to get on the train to Manchester and there used to be a tape traders in the shopping arcade there. And uh, I think the tapes were like either £5 each or like £10 each. We used to get like six hours of wrestling on a tape, so there'd be normally like two events so uh, we used to just come back with bin bags full of tapes and we used to just go through them. And Rob was into like Smoky Mountain and uh, and AAA and stuff like that. But my stuff was more of the Japanese wrestling, like FMW uh, was one that I was really into at the time. Uh, obviously, New Japan. Uh, but my favorite was Mishinoku Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Mishinoku Pro Wrestling from like the mid-90s was just... It was. I, I just watched it and I was just blown away. Like Super Dolphin and Grand Nana were... And uh, the tags that they used to have with Kai and Tai were absolutely amazing. And uh, I, I still say it to people now, like if you watch their matches from the mid-90s, they still hold up. They're 100 miles an hour, just all out chaos, just madness. You've got the, the arenas where the, the Japanese fans are just like sat on the floor and uh, there's no seats or anything. It's just just insane. Um, yeah, th- them tape trading days were just absolutely um amazing to me just just getting back and just just watching tapes and obviously when i was 15 i started the gym so it was literally go to the gym in the morning spend all day watching these tapes and then uh, dynamite would want to go back to the gym at night time after he was a bit more inspired so it was uh yeah it was a magical time for me yeah, well, I was going to ask, I mean, you know, for anybody that's seen any of your matches, Dean, uh, you, you haven't slowed down inside the ring at any point during your 20-year career. But before you started any formal training in the ring to be a pro wrestler, uh, did you have much of a sporting background? I mean, you've mentioned there at 15 you started lifting weights, but, uh, uh, you know, did you have a sporting background which might explain your pace and natural, uh, you know, athletic ability? Uh, I wouldn't say I was really athletic. Uh, I used to love sports. Um I used to play a lot of football. Um, I had to stop playing football because my matches for my Sunday league team were on Sunday, obviously. And uh, the wrestling training that I signed up for was five hours on a Sunday. So it was uh, it, it was impossible to do both. So I kind of chose wrestling over football, which was really tough because I really did enjoy it. Uh, my dad was a brown, a brown belt in Kung Fu. So I was always like hanging around in like his dojo and, and uh, he'd show me stuff when it come to like the the kung fu that he used to do. Um, but yeah, I was just all in. Like if I could play tennis at school or anything like that, I was just all in. But I wasn't really what I would call like a natural athlete. Like that came later on. Um, but I was definitely a sporty kid. 
Yeah, and, and kind of tying in with that, I know that you started your, your wrestling career at quite a young age, didn't you, Dean? But uh, when did you actually start training to become a pro wrestler? And, uh, you know, were, what, what, what did your friends and your family uh, think? Were, were they supportive of your move into pro wrestling at the very beginning? So um, I met Robbie Dynamite when I was um, probably about eight or nine. And uh, he lived about 10 doors away from me. But ever since we were little kids, he used to say, I'm going to be a pro wrestler one day. And it was always his dream. And I used to go to his house and we used to like watch WrestleMania. And obviously, later on, we, we used to do the tapes. So uh, I left school at 15. And uh, Rob was a year older than me at school. So basically, after he left school, he just spent the entire time going to the gym and training. Uh, that's all he did. So when I left school, he signed me up to his gym. And the gym was like in a three-story building. Uh, and the gym was on the top floor. And uh, it just so happened that a wrestling company that we used to go to in Stoke, it's a place called Jolly's, uh, announced on their show that they were opening a wrestling school. And the wrestling school just so happened to open on the second floor of the building, which was absolutely insane. So uh, we went along that first day and we we just never looked back and uh, started training at 15 and had my first match when I was 16. Wow. Wow. And was that with uh, All Star Wrestling? That was with a company called GBHW in, right. uh, in Stoke. Um, and they were kind of into like... Um, like the American Indies at the time and what they were doing. So, like, they weren't your traditional, like, British wrestling company, you know, what you'd say, like, a, a typical British wrestling company. But on my first couple of shows, you had, like, Ian McGregor against, like, Mad Dog, Ian Wilson, like, and uh, and you still, like, had the, the, like, Alan Kilby and people like that. They were still around. Keith Myatt was there. Obviously, he became one of the trainers at the wrestling school there. So, uh so yeah, it was just it was just kind of everything fell into place, and it yeah. was uh, again just an insane time. And, and when did you kind of hook up with All Star Wrestling then, and uh, uh, how did you get involved with them from the very beginning? How did they find out about you? So um, after a year, a year and a half at GBH, um, we we got in touch with Brian Dixon. And said like we're like there was four of us at the time. There's me, Robbie Dynamite, Kid Cool, and Mikey Whitlash. Uh, we we were all training at this wrestling school, and um, Robbie Dynamite actually got in touch with Brian Dixon because we used to go to the shows at Victoria Hall in Hanley, which was like one of All Stars' biggest shows. And uh, and um, Brian just said, yeah, come along before the show um, and have like a tryout match. So we had like a little tryout match before the show. Um, and I, I think we did some stuff that Brian had never really seen before. And he was kind of interested. So he was just like, okay, there's a battle royal on tonight. So uh, you guys can go in it. And basically um, for the first six months with All-Star, we were just basically thrown in like rumbles and battle royals and against all these big guys. Um who, who beat the shit out of us, to be honest. And uh, I think it was just a case of, like, if these kids keep coming back, then maybe uh, we'll give them something They've got more. something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're talking, like, Barbarian from WWF was over at the time, Skull Murphy, um, Avalanche PN News, 
you had all these big guys and then us little Some guys. big heavy hitters. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I think the smallest guy was like 16 stone. And like these were the biggest guys I'd ever seen in my entire life. So, yeah, crazy times. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you remember about them early days uh, with with, with uh, All Star Wrestling? Then, because um, I'm guessing that it's been a, an invaluable experience, um, but it, but a quite a steep learning curve. I mean, you've already explained, you know, how there was a, a larger than life kind of atmosphere in the locker room. Um, but uh, you know, did you feel a little bit out of your depth to start off with, and how did you adapt? I was. I was quite shy um, at that time, um, and um, I don't feel like out of my depth really. I was I was quietly confident, but um, so the way All Star used to run it is they used to have the town shows where um, they were out like pretty much every night, and they'd have like Jake the Snake, Tonka, Marty Janetta. These were the guys that were first there when I started. So you had your big like town shows where you'd have all the big stars and then the holiday camps would be on it as well. So the big shows we used to go to if there was time, but for us at the time, we were based on the holiday camps. So like me, Robbie Dynamite, Kid Cool, we were all there on the holiday camps. And at 16 years old, like wrestling seven days a week was just invaluable. Like it was just... You, you learn to grow up as an adult, you know, like just on the holiday camps, like wrestling at midday, you get, you travel to the next holiday camp, you go out at nighttime, you stay out like drinking all night, you get up for breakfast in the morning. Honestly, like in them days, the only time I used to sleep was in the car on the next to the holiday, uh, <laughs> on the way to the next show. It was just, just absolutely crazy times. And uh, yeah, I think in them first couple of years, I did a lot of growing up and, um, and obviously when we used to go to the town shows, like I was always really respectful and I just kept my mouth shut and my ears open. And uh, and I, I learned so much at that time in my life. Yeah, Not just in the ring, but outside the ring too. It's just, there's so much going on. I just learned so much. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Robbie there, Robbie Dynamite, who was a childhood friend of yours. You kind of you know, went through, uh, you broke into the business together and you had so many matches with him, either against him or alongside him with All Star Wrestling. Um, do you feel that you two kind of, you know, pushed each other to, to get better and to grow as, as performers and as uh, wrestlers in the ring, Dean? Yeah, I just felt like whenever I was in there with Rob, I felt like I was in there against my big brother who was bigger than me. He was more athletic than me. And I just felt like he was always better than me. So like whenever whenever I was wrestling Rob, I was always trying to prove a point, you know, to him and myself that like I could keep up. And I, I just feel like out of everybody in my entire career, he's the one that always brought out the best in me. So, yeah, it's uh, having somebody like that was was. I don't think if I wouldn't have met him, like if I would have never met him, I don't know if I would have ever been a professional wrestler. Like he was there every step of the way, just dragging me along, like pushing me in the gym, pushing me in wrestling training and sitting me down and just making me watch all this wrestling. You know, it's just uh, very much like a big brother. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, uh, I've got a quick comment here from from a mad dog, Mike Angus here, uh, saying that he first saw you at a show at the Liverpool Empire around 20, 2001. Uh, you really stood out because you was doing a, a lot more than some of the other guys on the card. Uh, that show had Jake the Snake and I think the Barbarians. So you you probably know, you probably remember, uh, or you probably do you remember that show that uh, Mike first saw you at, Dean? Yeah, I think... Um... The Liverpool Empire, with it being like All Star Wrestling, is based on Merseyside. So, like Liverpool Empire was like one of their biggest shows, and I remember it that weekend that um, they were meant to put on one show, uh, which they sold out, and then they put tickets up for a, a matinee show, and they sold that too. So the venue put in like another day, the day, the day after. So I think there was like three shows in two days, and um, there was like. I don't two and a half thousand, three thousand people there, and uh, and we were just starting out. So I did a rumble, and then I was in a six man tag match, a six man tables match, which included the barbarian. Um, so I was like main event, like for, all of a sudden for no reason. So uh, so yeah, it was just a mad time, and um, I never really looked around and and looked at anybody to see what they were doing, but I just knew what I was there to do. Um, one thing I did on that show, I did um, I did a super kick in my match and uh, I was getting changed after my match. And Marty Giannetti walked in. He just looked at me and said, man, you've changed. And then just walked out. <laughs> but that was Marty, man. He was just, he was such a joker. And uh, yeah, I just remember, oh my God, like I've stole Marty Giannetti's finish. <laughs> he was using, like he wasn't using the rocker drop at the time. He was actually using the super kick, which... I just never even thought about. I was just doing my thing. Um, and another uh, question from from Mad Dog: uh, Did you get a chance to work with Yokozuna at all? Because I know Yokozuna did a lot of the uh, lot of tours around the early two thousands. Uh, was you kind of ever in the the same uh, on the same card as Yokozuna? So at that time, I was still at GBH. Um, so uh, Yoko was on for All Star at the time, and uh, one of the times that we went along to Vicky Hall to to meet Brian. Yoko was on the card, so excuse me. I did meet him, but I never worked on the same card as Yoko, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so let's have a quick look. Uh, another question Who was your biggest inspiration that got you into wrestling, and who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Great question. I had so many good, like, it's weird for me because, like, for some reason, even though, like, I knew nothing about, like, I didn't really know any secrets of wrestling or anything like that, but I always used to look at people like Mr. Perfect and Owen Hart, who, like, um, and, like, Bret Hart and people like that, and I used to look at them and think, wow, they're, like, they're so good at wrestling. Even though, like, I was so young, I shouldn't really be thinking about, like, how good they are technically at wrestling. Like, I, I appreciate them guys now, but, like, for some reason, I was always drawn to, like, like Owen and, and Mr. Perfect and people like that when, it was, uh, when I was watching WWF. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say them. But um, I was never really into, like, the big gimmicky stars for some reason. It was always, like, the, the smaller, more technical guys that I was drawn towards. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, let's have a quick look at uh, the next question then, because um, I mean, I used to watch All Star Wrestling uh, from the Town Hall in Oxford, the Oxford City Centre, uh, back in the nineties. Now I'm talking kind of the early nineties. You had the like likes of the the Bomber, Pat Roach, uh, Giant Haystacks, Norman Smiley, Danny Boy, Collins on the on the card. Um, I even remember a, a post WWF Dynamite Kid. Tom Billington being on a card, I think in about 1993 or 1994, looked at a shadow of his former self, but still amazing to think that I got to see uh, see Dynamite Kid wrestle in the flesh. But uh, you know, all the all star um, all star wrestling, they they were renowned for bringing in international superstars, weren't they? Uh, people from around the world, former WWF talent. Um, do you have any any fun or interesting stories of you know when some of these big international wrestlers came over to the UK? It's just, it was just crazy for me. Like, obviously, being such a, a big WWF fan growing up, I, I was just suddenly like on the shows with like the likes of Tatanka, with with Marty, with with all these guys, you know. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. And and like even like later on in my career, like uh, I met Gangrel and I wrestled Gangrel quite a bit. Became really good friends. Like. And then Gangrel's like staying at my house, and I'm just like Gangrel's like asleep upstairs in my house. Like, what is <laughs> what is going on? And That's uh, mind blowing. Yeah, I feel like the magic wears off as you like do more, more and more years in wrestling. You kind of look at people as more like like friends as opposed to like I never think of like oh yeah like when I used to play like No Mercy on my N64 like when I used to be Gangrel like that's Gangrel. It's just like a different. It's almost like a different life now. Um, but like all star wrestling, like as well as like the the big international stars, you used to have people like Danny Collins and and like people that I used to. Me and Rob used to go and watch wrestling at the uh, in Rill in the Coliseum um, because his family had a caravan in Rill, so we used to go there. So I used to watch like Finley and Danny Collins and and all these people, Johnny Self, uh, and then like I'd be on shows with them and I'd be like, oh my god, like there's Robbie Brookside or something like that and, and we'd be traveling with him and uh I was a little bit nervous because like I said I was like a shy kid but it was just mind-blowing to see like all the people that I used to watch on TV and and then suddenly like I'm in the ring like wrestling like I remember one time in like 2002 I wrestled Jake the Snake in a tag it was uh it was me and Flatliner against Jake the Snake and Phil Powers and I was just like, oh my God. And I got a fall on Jake the Snake. And I was just like, I've just pinned Jake the Snake, Rob. This this is this is crazy. So uh there's been a lot of times in my career where it's been like a pinch myself moment, but um it's just one of them things. And then the more you wrestle and the more you look back at the history of like companies like All Star and look at the guys that have come through All Star, it's just absolutely insane. And and like even the the guys at All Star now, like none of them get the credit that they truly deserve. Like the the Tony Spitfires, the Frankie Salones, all these guys do it. The James Mason, like obviously now James is getting a bit more publicity because he's a coach at NXT UK. But for, for absolute years, like James Mason has been the best in the entire world. But because he wasn't on TV or he wasn't like on indie shows where he was getting all this all this publicity, like nobody knew it. But now like people oh like I was tagged in 
on Twitter gifts earlier where it was me and James tagging together against Doug Williams and Mark Haskins and and people are like, oh my God, like look at James Mason go. And I'm like, yeah, like I watched him do it every single night, you know, <laughs> sometimes twice, three times a day. So yeah, um, the guys at All-Star Wrestling, uh, when, when the foreigners actually come in and they wrestle the All-Star guys, I think they're a bit like blown away, like, oh my God, like, who are these guys? Like, why are they so good? And like, why haven't I heard of them? And it's it, it, it's a really nice thing to see, you know. Yeah. Uh, all the Americans coming in and wrestling James for the first time is is one of my favourite things to watch and, and okay. has been for 20 years. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, and, and looking back over your 20-year career then, Dean, you know, you, you're obviously renowned for All-Star, but um, another promotion that you're closely associated with is uh, PCW. Um, and uh, it's another promotion that's thrived on bringing in international talent, certainly, you know, uh, 10 or 15 years ago. But it was considered one of the bigger UK promotions uh, on the UK scene before kind of you know, the, the Brit rest kind of scene exploded really around the, the, the mid, you know, 2010s. Um, and they gave you so many amazing opportunities, didn't they, and experiences as a performer. Uh, what, why, were, why were PCW so special to you and still are? For me, um, a big part of PCW, like um, obviously the booking was really good. Um, the venue was like, if you look, excuse me, look at any match from PCW, the first thing you'll notice is the venue. The venue is unlike any other venue in the entire world. It's just, it's a standout. Um, but the biggest thing was the fan base. Uh, th- them fans kept coming back every month. And obviously they got to a point where they were turning people away at the door because the fan base and PCW became so popular. Um, but I just, it was it was magic. Like on the way driving to PCW, there was just like a feeling in my gut, like, oh my God, like, you, you know, there's going to be magic tonight. You get there, there was just, the atmosphere was electric. And um, and it was just a mix of, you had these guys that were like homegrown stars, like the regulars against these big stars from like the Indies or past stars from like the WWF. And it was like such a crossover that I think that's what made it so special. And um in the end, what, what tend to happen is the homegrown stars and the regulars were more over than these foreigners that were expecting to come over here and be like the biggest thing since sliced bread. And the fans like had such a good connection and uh, such a special connection with the regulars that I think that's what made it so special too. And uh, and yeah, the, the way that PCW built their regulars up too, whereas like myself and and people like no, I'm Dar. We we started in like multi-man matches in the opener, and then over the years you see the pro- the progression of the of the wrestler where they were then brought into like matches further up the card, and then getting title opportunities, and then going for the big the big chances. So uh, so yeah, it was it was done the right way, and it was so special. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if there'll ever be like a special time like that ever again with all this going on. So uh, I was glad that was there at the height. Yeah, the, the right mix of kind of how to run a wrestling promotion by the sounds of it. And, and speaking of you know, PCW, you also got an opportunity to wrestle uh, Jushin Thunder Liger in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. So that was a, another amazing uh, experience and opportunity for you. Um, how did all that come about to, to wrestle 
uh, Thunder Liger, uh, PCW, and uh, tell us what a special moment that was to, to wrestle uh, a legend such as himself. Obviously with me, um, as I mentioned before, growing up, I was such a big fan of like Japanese wrestling, especially like the Mishinoku guys and the and the New Japan Juniors. Like I was always drawn to like the smaller, more technical guys, like I said. So obviously the, the biggest star of the, the New Japan Juniors in the 90s was Justin Thunder Liger. And, um, and yeah, just out of the blue, just Stephen Flutter messaged me and he was like, uh, I've got got a big match for you. And I was like, go on. And he was like, you against Juicy Thunder Lake. And I was like, oh my God, really? Like, that is insane. <laughs> um, and I think that was another thing that like people like Flutter and, and Greg Lambert knew was when they were booking these matches, they knew who to put like the import against, who would who would get the best match out of them, who would appreciate it the most. Like, um, you saw like Noam, and Lionheart getting put in, in there with like AJ Styles, who was like an idol to them. But me against AJ, he's not really much of an idol for me. But somebody like Juicing Thunder Liger was an idol. But you put like Noam against Juicing Thunder Liger again, like Noam probably didn't know that much of him. So, um, so yeah, they did things the right way. And, and obviously Liger's history with All Star, like coming over here and, and learning the all-star style in like the eighties, there was like history behind it. And I, I took Brian along to the show and, and watching them to like meet again after all these years and Liger picking him up and spinning him around was, was great to see. So, uh, so yeah, it was, um, at that time in my career in 2013, that was the, the biggest and most special moment of my career. Yeah, and uh, I believe it was that same year when you you wrestled uh, Ultima Dragon, Ultima Dragon as well, which was uh, another kind of hero of yours, especially from that cruiserweight WCW era. Um, so another kind of awesome moment for yourself. Yeah, and uh, like I said, like I, I guess I kind of had my niche where I was just like, okay, like you're in a match with Liger, you're in a match with with Ultima Dragon, you're in a match with Juventud Guerrero. It was just like throwing me all these like these junior heavyweights that they were such a big fan of when I was growing up. So uh yeah, they just knew how to do things the right way. And uh and yeah, they were they were real special times for me. Yeah, and, and then you become the uh, the PCW Cruiserweight Champion in 2017, Dean, um, beating current uh, NXT UK superstar Ashton Smith for the title. Uh, you defended your title over 400 days. I think you, you held the title for 400 days against the likes of Martin Kirby, Chris Ridgway, uh, Johnny Storm, Jody Fleisch, Ricky Knight Jr., and many more during that run. But uh, what were some of your, your fondest memories uh, during that time as the champion? I just remember, like at the time, I was just, I was feeling good. Um, I would, I, I say feeling good. Like I, I was actually coming off an, an ankle injury that um, that plagued me for a couple of years. Um, so every match that I was getting put in, I was just like, okay, like I'm going to push it to the limit. And and they just keep sending these guys in, you know, like Jody, Johnny, like all these guys with just as much experience or more experience than me. And uh, I just remember, like, every single match was, like, boom, like, that was awesome, that was awesome, that was awesome. Like, these new kids, like, Ridgeway coming along, and, and Ridgeway's, like, a, a special, like, diverse talent that I've never experienced. And I was just like, okay, like, me and Ridgeway ended up having, like, a, a best of three series. And uh, 
And obviously you mentioned Ashton Smith, who was like a, like a really big athletic guy. And and we had two matches together, that are two of my favourites in my career. So, uh, so yeah, just at the time, I just remember like every match getting announced, okay, okay like I'm going to go in there and, and I'm just going to have another match of the night. Which that that was that was all that's always been my goal in wrestling to go out there and and just have the best match possible. So uh, yeah. so yeah, again, just a special time, and I just just coming up from like just a multi man wrestler to like representing like the company as a cruiserweight champion was just something that I took really seriously, and uh, I just wanted to do my best. Yeah, and a hell of a title run as well, 400 plus days. But uh, uh, you also wrestled in Japan, didn't you, Dean? Um, I think for a promotion called Wrestle One. Um, how did you get that opportunity? Because I'm guessing with your kind of quite diverse wrestling style, it must have been a bit of a dream come true to get the opportunity to go over to Japan with their kind of renowned history with pro wrestling. Uh, but uh, was that one of your goals to wrestle in Japan? And, and how did that experience come about? So... In 2011, uh, Dragon Gate UK came over here. Uh, Dragon Gate, sorry. They came over here and did their, their Dragon, Dragon Gate UK shows. And uh, I ended up getting booked in, uh, in like a, a bonus match on that show. And uh, in my head, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I've kind of just worked for a Japanese company now. Like, I can die happy. Like, there's some kind of connection there. And then 2013, obviously, I wrestled Liger. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, and wrestled like such a Japanese legend, so I can die happy now. And then, um, in 2014, at the beginning of the year, an agent for Wrestle One came to a show in Butlins uh, and watched me wrestle there, and decided that he want me, wanted to take me to Japan. And I was just like, "Oh my god! Like that's absolutely insane!" Like in Butlins, like, if you were places, this, <laughs> yeah, of all places, just turns up at Bognery, this. Watches me wrestle and it's just like, yeah, I'm taking this to Japan. And I was just like, if I was writing this as a movie, it would be classed as too unbelievable because the, it's just not realistic at all. So, uh, so yeah, um, in July that year, 2014, I got to wrestle in Japan for the first time at uh, the Ryodoku Sumo Hall, um, which is like such a big venue. I walked in there and you got all these banners of like Japanese, like sumo wrestlers and it's just an absolutely massive venue. I think there was like six or 8,000 people at the show. And uh, just growing up watching Japanese wrestling, like I kind of knew what to expect. But when I was in there and you're wrestling in silence and then you do something that they like and they all react at the same time. You're just like, oh, my God. Like, that's just how I saw it when I was a, a kid, you know, just watching <laughs> these tapes and uh and yeah, it was just crazy. And obviously, I got to go back there in, in 2016 and 2017 too. So, um, Japanese, like Japan, is the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my entire life, and it's it's my favorite place in the entire world. And I just feel so lucky that I got to do it. And uh, it wasn't even a dream come true. It was just it was just something like surreal that happened, and I still can't believe it happened. To be honest, it was just. I just never thought in a million years that I would ever get the chance to do that. Uh, and if I did have a goal in wrestling, it would always be like to wrestle in Japan. That would be my number one goal. Um, but I never set in goals because I didn't. I, I never felt like I could handle the disappointment if it never happened. But <laughs> if uh, if I did have a goal, it would be to wrestle in Japan because it's always been my favorite wrestling to watch, and uh, and now it's my favorite place in the world. So. 
Hopefully I'll get the chance to go there again. Yeah, so my next question has got a kind of a, a Japanese spin in it, but I, I want to ask you about your, your wrestling style, or should I say wrestling styles, because, you know, you're renowned for being you know, tremendously innovative uh, in, in the ring, from your groundwork to your unique submission holds, through to your, your kicks and your power moves, and not forgetting the, the speed around the ring. Um, it's almost like watching, you know, the best of British strong style and, and the best of Japanese strong style all in one package. But uh, how, you know, how do you put together uh, all the pieces uh, with the variety of styles that, you know, you're proficient in, Dean, um, to, you, to, to make what we're accustomed to now as uh, Dean Allmark? Oh, it's very nice of you to say that. Um, so I think what I, what I would credit to is like just studying just studying the game. Like I said, we used to go to that tape traders and it's not like we used to watch them tapes just one time and then throw them away. Like we used to study them tapes over and over again. And uh, <laughs> for me, I was always drawn to the wrestlers that were like really creative. Um, the wrestlers that would like do stuff that I'd never seen before, like Chris Canyon, Nova, all these type of guys where they were just like, oh, my God, like, what did that guy just do? I've never seen that before. And I remember Tajiri coming along and, and seeing his kicks, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, I've never seen a wrestler like Tajiri before. So I was just I was just always drawn to, like, certain things in wrestling. It wasn't, like, just an overall thing in wrestling. It was just like, okay, I like this. I like this. I like this. So over the years, I've just thought, well, if these are the things I like, these are the things I like, I'm just going to do these things and then just mix them all together. Um, and I just think, especially, like, I used to think this when I first started wrestling, like, you can't be just, like, one style of wrestler. Like, you just can't. The, wrestling has evolved where, like, it's just like an MMA. Like, MMA, like, when I used to watch UFC, I was just like, there used to be, like, like Hoist Gracie, he was a yeah. jiu-jitsu guy that used to just choke everybody out. But as MMA evolved, jiu-jitsu guys couldn't do that anymore because everybody knew, you know, you had to be like a, a well-rounded fighter. And I always tell people now that you need to be a well-rounded wrestler to make it, especially in 2021. You need to to know a bit of everything if if you want to go all the way. So uh I've just I've just always had it in my head that I just want to be the the creative guy that I used to be drawn to when I was a kid. Uh, obviously, wrestling video games like I used to spend hours on the creative part of it, like just making all these moves and and trying to get like a guy where his style was just like a bit of everything. Um, because to me, that would be the perfect wrestler. So uh, so yeah, uh, to answer your question. Uh, plainly, I guess that it's just studying. That's all you can do. It's just study, study, study. And I always say to kids these days, they've got it so lucky because they everybody's got a phone and you've got all the wrestling in the entire world at your fingertips. So you've got no excuse. Like, you should be watching wrestling all day, every day, if this is what you want to do. Uh, and if you study that much, then you can't go wrong. 
Yeah, well, your testament to that for sure. And uh, a, a similar line of questioning is like, as I mentioned about your your innovation with uh, coming up with uh, with new moves, but uh, you know you always appear to be coming up with new ways to to hurt your opponent in the ring. Dean, uh, what, what's what's the creative process that you go through when you come up with a, a new hold or a new move and then finally use it in a match? Um. I guess being a bit of a psychopath <laughs> when it comes to wrestling, just like <laughs> just like being totally obsessed with wrestling and thinking about it twenty four seven, and and just thinking about certain positions, and you're like, okay, this is a position, and then you can go to this position, or the just breaking down the entire move, like the start of the move, the middle of the move, and the end of the move, and then and then just chopping it up, and then maybe switching it, like, okay, you start off this way. And then you change the position to this, and then, and then just mixing stuff together, you know, mixing moves together, and that's how you come up with new moves. And a lot of people say everything's been done before, but I, I, I truly don't think it has. Like, I, I know that I've invented moves that I've never seen before, and nobody has seen as much wrestling as I have. So I know that I've invented them things. So, uh, so yeah, just just being totally obsessed with wrestling and and just thinking about it 24 7 obviously i've been teaching at the all-star school since 2006 uh yeah. on a weekly basis so having all them hours and just having the time to test stuff out is uh is invaluable um if if it wasn't for that wrestling school i wouldn't have been able to create all the stuff that i've created so uh so yeah um I just I just wanted to be that creative guy and uh and my favorite part about professional wrestling is the creative part about it like I didn't want to be just one of these wrestlers that comes along and be like oh like I like doing a jackhammer so I'm just going to do a jackhammer or like do one of the moves that everybody else does like if I see people like doing the same moves on shows like in every single match I'm just like why would you do that why would you want to do moves that everybody else does when you can just make some up yourself it's just yeah. it's the creative part that i love so that's awesome that's awesome and, and um what wrestlers or wrestling groups do you watch nowadays on on, on tv obviously we can't get to live shows but uh, and possibly take inspiration from uh, these wrestlers uh you know from their in-ring work through to their character work any any wrestlers that you kind of like to or enjoy watching on a, on a week-to-week basis uh, and kind of you know not necessarily steal from them, but think, oh, that, that's really interesting. I like the way they work. Uh, for me, it's just, it's the way I've always been. Like, it depends what kind of mood I'm in. And I'm just like, like I've got, like I said, I've got the wrestling at my fingertips so I can watch everything. Mm. Obviously, I still keep up to date with like all the, the goings on in like NXT UK and, and places like that and, and Japan. And uh, and then you've got the wrestling giffers now putting putting out the gifts like every single day. And it's, it's one of my favorite things about social media is having these guys like the wrestling gifters coming out here, making gifts just like I would if, if, if I wasn't wrestling myself, this is probably what I would be doing, making gifts of all the, the stuff that I'd never seen before. Um, and but, um, basically I used to do the same with VHS tapes. I used to get my tapes and, and clip the, the creative stuff together and like have an entire tape of stuff they'd never seen before. But yeah, there's, there's so many great guys, out, great guys out there right now that I do enjoy watching. And, uh, I work, 
it's impossible to single anybody out because like I feel like in 2020 there's there's so many good people around in wrestling these days and uh yeah just the the game's evolving it's yeah. crazy I mean, I mean you, uh, one kind of name I'm going to throw out there um and, and for me it, it, huge similarities between the two of you is, is Zack Sabre Jr and I know that you've fought each other um at least once uh, possibly a couple of times and you know each other I'm sure um, but, um, you know, you've got a very similar style of working, very, very strong style, lots of groundwork and submission holds. Do you take inspiration from Zach or, or should I say, does he take inspiration from you? Which way round is it? I'm guessing that you know Zach uh, through your various meetings in the ring. Uh, so Zach, like, yeah, I've known him for a couple of years and uh, and we have fought a couple of times. Uh, I wouldn't say that. So Zach's kind of the same way. He's like, he's taken his love for British wrestling. And then he's put his own twist on it, you know. Yes. Uh, he obviously does the kicks and he does the things that you've never seen before. Um, but I just think he's he's such a cool dude. Like, yeah. uh, I remember it was me and him in a tournament at PCW. And uh, as much as I love the PCW fans, when it came to the actual, like, technical side of wrestling, because there was such a drinking culture at them shows, they weren't really into the the technical side of wrestling as much as I am. And I remember ex expressing this to Zach before our match. And uh, he just looked at me and said, well, the fans can suck a dick because this is what we're, this is what we're doing tonight. This is what we love. And we're just going to go out there and wrestle. And we did. And, uh, and that always stuck in my head. I was just like, man, like he's right. Like we should go out there and just wrestle the way that we want to wrestle. And uh, there's a lot of co companies like WrestleGate and, and, uh, and places like that that have basically come up to me and said, like, we want you to wrestle the way you like to wrestle. We're not yeah. going to tell you how to wrestle anyway. We just want what you do and what you like because we like what you like. So they, they give me that freedom to go out there and do that. And uh, and that's that's what I feel Zach does. He goes out there, he does his thing. And uh, <laughs> I remember having this conversation with Ridgeway when, he first he first started coming uh, and wrestling on the PCW shows, where he was kind of at the stage where he was like, he was eager to please uh, other wrestlers and the fans. And I just said, I see what you are and see what you want to be. You need to just be you and do you. And uh, and ever since that day, having that talk with him, he just went up and up. And I was just like, man, like I love watching him wrestle because he's so different and. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's what it is. It's just just about being different, and that's why when somebody like Zach Stapler Junior comes on, you're just like, oh, he's he's so different than everybody else. So, uh, so yeah, I'm glad other people are attracted to that too because that's always been my attraction in wrestling. The guys are different than everybody else. Yeah, definitely. I want to touch on your your uh, years as a coach now then. Uh, a couple of comments I want to bring up on screen. So uh, Mike Angus uh, said, uh, you're the best trainer in the UK. Uh, so uh, some some high praise there from Mike. Um, and I've got a question from, uh, from Grizz. Um, and uh, it's very similar to the next question I was going to ask. But uh, being a trainer for so long, who are some of the people that you have trained uh, that you are most proud of? Uh, when seeing them succeed. So I know that you've got a long history as a trainer, as a coach, and uh, you, you've kind of been important in the early years of some 
you know, fairly household names, I would say. But uh, uh, if you could answer Grizz's question there, um, people that you've trained that you're most proud to see when they succeed. Um, so, yeah, I've had so many people. And one of my favourite things about being a coach is, like, seeing, like, these average people uh, walk into the wrestling school and they can barely do a role and then watching them progress. And then you got people like Ringo Ryan who went on to become, like, a full-time pro wrestler you know like at an early age like he was just like one minute he's at my wrestling school hardly able to roll and then the next like he's on shows alongside me and he's living that that wrestler life you know wrestling like six or seven days a week uh you got guys who come over from like um there's a guy called Vito Peru who uh he came over here and did the camps in the summer uh from Finland and uh quickly realized that he wasn't good enough to be on the shows at that time um, and uh, ended up wrestling half uh, refereeing half the summer because of this. And then actually going away thinking, okay, what can I do? Okay, I'm going to move to the UK now, train under Dean. And then he did. And then before you know it, he's a full-time pro too. So what, that's one of my favorite things to watch. Um, my best, one of my best friends at the minute is uh, a guy called Tyson Taylor who came along in two thousand and six, uh, and and another another thing that I really enjoy is making all these friends, like seeing guys come in, bonding with them, and then all of a sudden they're like my best friend, uh, yeah. and like I can put my life in his hands. Um, obviously, like these days, you've got like Tony Storm, who who obviously moved here from Australia when she was like 17, 18, trained at my school. And, and look at her now, you, you know, she's she's making waves on NXT. She was just in the Royal Rumble just week. you got Zaya Brookside on NXT UK, just absolutely smashing it. And uh, she actually moved from like Leicester to the world to train with me at my school. So, yeah, seeing, seeing all the success, it's like, for me, it's like so satisfying as a coach. Like, I just want people like Tony, like, who just like they're desperate to learn. And then the more you teach, the more they want to learn. They're just soaking it up like a sponge. It's just absolutely insane to watch. And uh and watching people like Tyson Taylor coming coming into his own now and all these people wanting to do podcasts with him. They want to book him on the shows and just seeing the success and, and watching them just living the rest of their life is just so satisfying for me. Yeah. And uh, I, I've got Tyson Taylor on the podcast next week, as a matter of fact. Uh, so uh, that'd be really cool to kind of talk about, uh, you know, yourself as, as his trainer and his coach and uh, be good to hear his wrestling story. But um, uh, have you ever considered um, coaching on a, in a bigger promotion? I know that you mentioned earlier, Claw, that you're going to be uh, working alongside TNT. You've done coaching since uh, 2006 with All Star, but... Uh, um, you know, have you ever been approached or would you consider uh, a role as a coach with, say, NXT UK, especially now they've got the UK PC over in London? Um, and, you know, is it something you've ever considered? You know, uh, uh, there's a really good crop of talent in the NXT UK roster, uh, many of whom you've probably helped or, or, or wrestled over the years. But uh, uh, would, would that be something that you would consider if it was passed your way? Oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And uh, NXT UK now have got like great coaches. They've got like Johnny Saint there. They've got Johnny Moss there. They've got James Mason there. They've got so many good coaches. 
it would be impossible for me to be like bitter in any way. Um, but yeah, if they come along and, and offer me a role, I, I definitely take it 100% because there's, there's so much potential in NXT UK. Um, you watch a show, you just think, oh my God, like you watch these guys, there's so much talent there. And I know what I could bring to the day, the table would be beneficial to them. Um, so who knows? Fingers crossed. Uh, Let's see what happens. Um, I just, I just enjoy coaching. Uh, I enjoy doing seminars. Uh, I did a seminar in Ireland, and and uh, I met Tucker over there. He used to be signed for NXT UK, and he's such a nice guy. He ended up coming over here uh, after meeting him in Ireland, and and we became great friends. And and that's another thing I love about wrestling. You travel around, you do these seminars, and you you spotting all this talent in all these these places, people that you've never seen before, you that person's got something right there, you know. Uh yeah. I just love teaching wrestling. I, I, I would teach wrestling anywhere. So um yeah, if NXT UK come knocking, I'd definitely take it one hundred percent. There we go. And on, on the subject of kind of uh, young wrestling talents uh, to keep an eye on for the future, when things get back to normal, of course, um, are, are there any kind of young British wrestlers, male or female, that we should be keeping our eyes on over the next year, two years, uh, when things get back to normal, that they have a really bright future in the business? Uh, there's so many. Um, one thing I would say, like to anybody that's got like an all-star show, or a first-class wrestling show in their area, go along to that show because I think people have this this kind of like thing in the head where like all-star wrestlers are just like flag-waving, like clappy-happy, like pantomime entertainers, uh, which we are to an extent. But when it comes to the actual wrestling, like there isn't many better wrestlers in the entire world than than the likes of like Joel Redman, who wrestled in NXT as Oliver Gray, like. If you if you go on YouTube, watch his match against Okada for Rev Pro, absolutely amazing. And you look at Joel; he's a physical specimen. He's got the total package, you know. Uh, Adam Maxted the same. Adam Maxted in a couple of years' time, he's going to be such a big star. Like he's one hundred percent going to be in WWE. Um, probably wrestling Drew McIntyre for the title. Um, you got all these guys, Tony Spitfire. If you're a fan of like the the British wrestling style, you watch Tony Spitfire on a show. He embodies British wrestling. Uh, it really does. Uh, watch him against myself or James Mason in a wrestling match, in a traditional British wrestling match. Uh, it'll knock your socks off. It really would. Uh, and it just befuddles me that all these guys are around on the the All Star circuit, and a lot of people don't know of them. Um, but the matches are there on YouTube. So study, you know, um, there are some guys that I want to wrestle, like coming up that I've never wrestled before. Like Jordan Brakes is a, is one from down south who's like, he is that British wrestling style, kind of like a Jack Gallagher was when, when he first broke out. So uh, these type of guys, th there are guys out there that have never wrestled before that I do want to wrestle. Uh, and there's loads of people... To be honest, I just want to wrestle again. But there are loads of people who I want to wrestle again. There's a guy in America uh, that used to be Ring of Honor tag team champion called Harlem Bravado. He trained um, in the, the Ring of Honor wrestling school. He went to NOAA, trained in the dojo there. And uh, on the All-Star shows, he became one of my favorite opponents. One of the my absolute favorites to wrestle ever. 
there are these people like uh, there's a guy from New Zealand called Newa. Again, yeah. when I wrestled him the first time, I was just like, oh my God, like this guy is so good. And it, that first time, we, I think it was like a Falls Count Anywhere match. We just went out there and just went balls to the wall. And it was incredible. And I was just like, there are guys out there that even I haven't seen where I wrestle them for the first time and just like, holy shit, this guy's really good. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times for everybody. And just when you think you've seen it all, somebody will come along and be like, oh, shit, like that guy's really good. Uh, and this guy's out there like Sean Custom. Sean Custom's another guy. You're watching wrestling, just like, how is this guy not on TV all the time? Why is he not on Metalli every single week? He's got the total package. So, uh, so yeah, there's loads of guys out there. And uh, I'm sure the fans are just excited for wrestling to start up again. It's just, just as excited as I am. But I just can't wait to get in there and wrestle all these guys again. Yeah. Just a, a couple more uh, comments and questions before we uh, we wrap up, uh, Dean. But uh, first of all, we've got uh, uh, somebody watching us on YouTube, Graham Glasgow. Uh, he says that uh, you are his nephew's favourite wrestler. So that's pretty nice. Um, no, and uh, and uh, a final comment from uh, Mad Dog, Mike Angus. Uh, I'd like to see you against uh, Big Guns Joe, um, Harlem and Sam Adonis. Um, are doing great over in the States at the moment as well. So thank you there, Mad Dog. Um, but um, before we uh, say goodbye, Dean, because we're, we're on the verge of wrapping up here, do you have any any social media plugs that you want to kind of throw out to any of my listeners or viewers if they want to reach out and say hi to you on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, or even if you've got any, any merch you want to plug, but uh, you're more than welcome to throw out all your socials now, my friend. Yeah, so uh, just at Dean Allmark on everything, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my YouTube channel, uh, so one thing with the All-Star Wrestling shows is those shows are for that talent only, almost like a circus. But in the mid-2000s, I started my own YouTube channel where I used to record all my matches. Um, more to learn than anything else, I, I believe that when it comes to wrestling, you have to watch your matches to actually learn what you do good and what what you do bad. So uh, I started that and I've caught some incredible matches like James Mason against Dick Togo from the Liverpool Empire, Robbie Dynamite against Justin Thunderliger from Croydon. And I think I've got over 500 of my matches on there. I think it's something like 620 or something like that now. Um, so my YouTube channel is always there. Uh, YouTube is, is kind of one of these platforms where they're kind of like every single day I get another video that's been blocked in a certain country, but there's still quite a few matches on there. I'm wearing my Wrestle Merch Central top right now, uh, cool. which you can find my official merchandise if you're interested in buying any shirts. Um, it would be greatly appreciated. But, like, uh, yeah, if anybody can just get on YouTube, watch a couple of my matches or something like that. If you've never seen me before, kind of check out what I'm about. I'd be very awesome. great. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that uh, the description to all of your socials and your YouTube uh, page are added to the description of the podcast and the YouTube video when it drops. But uh, as for this live episode of Wrestling with John's uh, Dean Allmark, you've been absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you very much for being a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You're welcome.